Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. If we have not met, my name is Ali and uh, my wife and I, we started this church four years ago at Santana Row. You can get Gucci and Jesus on the same day. And uh, we're just, we have a pit stop at this church right now for a season and just believe in God as a new home for us. Amen. And uh, we are in a collection of talks that I, I, it is our, our, easily our most, I don't know how to, what word or adjective I should use, it is the most downloaded, the most talked about, the most retweeted collection of talks that we do. Every year we do a collection of talks about relationships. And this year it's happier than ever. And those of you that are hipsters, this is a Billie Eilish song that we're using for Jesus tonight. And uh, I, I show of hands if, if maybe between last week and today, you start a relationship because of the, the sermon series. Anyone? No, it's okay. Anyone end a relationship between last week and today? It's okay. No, no, no. Anyone restore a relationship? Here's another question. Any single people in the house? Raise your hand. Any single people in the house? Higher. Look around. Next week, you might not be single. You're welcome. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. When you see it on the screen, someone say amen. A little bit louder. We're a loud church. Someone say amen. amen. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, having the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very, very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to preach to you around this idea tonight. I love me. Coming for you today. Last week I made you laugh. Tonight I'm going to punch you in the stomach. But I'm going to pray for you though in Jesus' name. It's going to be good. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you want to bring healing and hope to our relationships. Got to pray for the married people. Got to pray for the single people. Got to pray for those that are, they would just say it's, it's complicated. God, I just feel led to pray for those, God, that are widowed and divorced. We all have relationships, God, where we need help. God, show us, God, how we can get better, get, get wiser using your word. We believe, Jesus, that you're going to speak to us tonight. That we walked in one way, but we're going to walk out another. We believe, God, that you have a plan for our relationships you have a purpose for our relationships. And God, we're going to learn from you. And if you believe that, everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Last week, we, we got introduced to Pablo. Uh, he's got a nickname. His name is Petey Pablo. And uh, uh, what we learned last week was the number one relationship killer was trying to get something from someone else that only you can get from God. That, that we have this hole in our heart. That we all have this desire to be seen and to, to be known and to be loved. And often what, what causes the breakdown of a relationship, we go to our spouse, we go to our dad, we go to our friends to get something that only God can fill. And the number two killer of relationships is what we're going to talk about tonight. 
it's this idea that, well, let me just, let me just say it like this. We learned last week that, that we were made in the image of God. And not only does God give love, but listen, God is love. Which, which means that we're not only longing to be seen and known and loved, we have this calling. This, it's in our DNA. It's facts. We're called to love other people. But it gets broken. It gets perverted. And uh, let, me, let me explain. Let me prove it to you that you are created to love. Let me give you some evidence. Puppies. <laughs> you and I let dirty, smelly animals, not just in our house. Come on. Some of you let them in your bed. Some of you let them, you let this animal, this dirty animal that licks its butt, um, excuse me for using this language, and then it licks your face, and you're okay with that. Why? And it's not like you're this hunter-gatherer, right? Like, you need a, a war dog to go fight a lion. You want someone to cuddle with, because you were created to give love. And maybe animals is not your thing. Maybe it's sports. Maybe this is why you are not just a fanatic, you are a sports, like, enthusiast. Like, when the, when the Warriors are playing well, your marriage is going well. When the Warriors are, we went to two years of hell, your marriage was not doing very well, right? And it's because you were created to love something, but sometimes you love it too much. Look at this on the screen, this dude who's loving his team a little bit too much. This is from the Niners-Cowboys game. I think he's crying. I think his girl is crying. And listen, I would be just as bad if I had that haircut and I'd pay for that. I don't know. <laughs> My favorite part of this picture is the girl in the back with the longest eye. All you need is a broom and pedal. I'm going to clean the floor with those things. Those are some lashes right there. But this guy loves his team a little bit too much. Maybe sports is not your thing. Maybe that's why you love fashion so much, or maybe that's why you love food so much. Or let me make it practical. This is why some of you devote so much of your time and energy into your career because you were created. Listen, you were created by God to love something, but it gets perverted. That's what I want to speak on today. And there are two ways it gets perverted. The first way is you love someone or something more than anybody else. I'm not going to preach on that, but I want to explain. This is where you get a boy in your group of like maybe five or six friends, and he's never had a girlfriend, and then he gets a girlfriend, right? And then three months later, you got to call 911. We have a missing person. We have not seen him because he's with her all the time. And he loses all his friends because she becomes his only friend. He loses his purpose because she becomes his purpose. And I've seen this as a pastor. She lo- he loses his God because she becomes his God. And it's sad because sometimes when the relationship ends, the guy gets bitter and resentful. Oh, my God, I gave up all my friends for you. And it's like, no, no, bro, you, you willingly gave up those things. No one ever forced you to. But I don't want to preach on that. I want to preach on this second thing, that, this way that we pervert our love. is not that we love someone else more than anyone else. is that we love ourselves. Come on, more than anybody else. It's this idea of self-love. And I, I love me. Someone say, I love me. A little bit louder. It's 5 o'clock. You had some coffee on the way in. Someone say, I love me. me. See, our culture preaches something very similar. Anyone ever heard of self-love? Come on. Self-love? I'm all about self-love. Listen, you got to love yourself. you got some curves, love your curves. If you don't got curves, love whatever you have. If you have curly hair, love your curly hair. If you have straight hair, love your straight hair. If you have a weave, come on. It's your weave. Love it. (laughs) Whatever you got. Self-love says, I love it. 
I'm not preaching against self-love. And then we have something in our culture that sounds very similar to I love me. It's self-care. Anybody know what I'm talking about with self-care? Sometimes you need a mani and a pedi, right? Sometimes you need to go on the golf range and hit some balls. Sometimes you need to go to the gym. Sometimes you need to hang out with your friends. Sometimes you need to go on a bro trip. I'm not talking about self. I'm not preaching against self-love or self-care. I'm preaching against this idea of love of self. It's the number two killer in relationships. And it's defined as this. Selfishness is defined as love of self. The first thing that breaks down any relationship. And again, maybe you're, not, maybe you're single here tonight. Maybe you're, you're divorced here tonight. Maybe it's complicated. If you try to get something from God or from another person that only God can give you, that's the number one reason why your relationship will break. The number two reason is why you love yourself more than the other person. Look what James says in James chapter 3. He says, For where there is envy and selfish, someone say selfish, selfish. ambition, there will be. Let me just pause right there if you can look up to me. He's saying anytime there's conflict in a marriage, he's saying anytime there's two brothers that can't get along or two coworkers or friends that used to be friends and are no longer getting friend, becoming friends, anytime there's disorder, the root is selfishness. He says, wherever there is disorder and every kind of envy. And I tried to Google this last week. Actually, I wrote this sermon three weeks ago, but I've been Googling what are the number one reasons why relationships end? Why, why do we break down? And I, I found list after list after list. And I found a, 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 this common pattern that in all the things, the root of selfishness was the root of all the reasons why people were breaking down. Now, sometimes it's not like, I would say six of the top ten were rooted in selfishness. And I, I have that list for you today. And I want to walk through them. I'm just going to need a warning. You are going to feel like some of these are microaggressions against you. Come on. But what I want to do is I want to make fun of myself, use myself as the case study, because when you hear about my selfishness, you may be in humility and say, whoa, 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 maybe I'm a little selfish too. And that's my goal, is that the reason you have issues in your marriage is because you are. You just don't know it yet. Number one reason why we break down in our relationships is this. You write this one, write this down, is long work hours. Long, I found this on Google, that they, they found report after report that the longer you commute to work, the higher correlation you are to get divorced. That means if you drive for an hour versus 30 minutes, you are more likely to get divorced, which is crazy, right? Because especially in Silicon Valley, like all of us are commute to work. All of us work eight hours a day, maybe nine hours a day. We do it five days a week. We hustle here like no one else in America. We pride ourselves. Oh, it's a Silicon Valley way. We, we don't have time to read books. We listen to them on the way to work. Because we're so busy. And then people here, we don't just have one job. we got a side hustle. And we brag about the side hustle. But often when people think about and they hear about how often we work, the long hours, they go, man, you guys must have a lot of bills. No, 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 no. We love our job more than our family. We love our career more than we do our kids. And this is where it's just not going to be a lot of amens, I'm telling you, on the front end. It's going to be kind of difficult to hear. So I'm going to use myself as the case study. When, when Pastor Yaz and I, we were planting this church four years ago, we got sat down by a mentor, a friend of ours, and said, listen, the first 18 months of a church plant is cray-cray. You will not see each other. You're going to be working 10 hours a day, six days a week, because you're, you're giving, starting a church is like giving birth. It's exhausting, and that is literally what, what it felt like. The first all of 2016, all of 2017, we were fundraising and then trying to build a team. And then here we are, middle of 2018, Pastor Yaz is like, time out. I'm like, what? She's like, I am done. You are 
you, are, you love this job more than you do me. And you should marry your job. And she was saying this from a place of hurt because I, I, I literally would wake up at 4 a.m. on Sunday morning. So this is when we were at the hotel, right? I, I would get up at 4, pray, memorize the sermon, drive the truck to church at 7, set up for two hours, preach at 10, then preach another sermon, six, six seconds at 11.30. Then we'd tear down after we said hi to as many people we can. Then I'd get home. I was so tired, I didn't have time or energy for my kids. Then imagine Monday morning, I'd get up before Pastor Yaz would even get I got to go. Girl, I got a job. I got to pay these bills. So I'd leave the house early Monday morning, come back at five or six. She hadn't seen me all day. And then normally I'd have a coffee with someone or a dinner. Tackle Tuesday comes around. I got, I got work all day, leadership meeting. Wrap up Wednesday comes. I have, again, work all day and then life group. Thursday comes around. Then we squeeze in a little bit of family time for like 30 minutes because I'm tired. I'm on the phone the whole time because I'm not really there. Mentally I'm at work. Friday comes around. Didn't have the energy to even go on a date. And she's like, I am done with this. This is cray-cray, and I want none of you. And in my mind, if I'm being honest, I was like, girl, this is my job. This is what I do. And it's rooted in selfishness. Selfishness says this. It's putting your career or cause before their care. Before their care. If the way you do work hurts your marriage, you're doing it wrong. If the way you do ministry is hurting your relationships, you're doing it wrong. Listen, my number one will always be Jesus. But this is going to be hard for some of you here. My number two is Pastor Yass. Which means that when she wants me to stop pastoring, she can pull the ripcord. And if I'm not loving her well, that means my ministry is not going well. Selfishness was the root of my issue. And I had to change. Maybe that's your issue too. Second reason why I found on, on Google is character issues. Character issues. It was crazy. Some of the things that they talked about that hurt relationships, insecurities. Uh, one was like you married a complainer and you just can't be around them. One of my thought was hilarious. Annoying. Why would you marry someone who's annoying? Either they're an amazing kisser or they're really wealthy or maybe you just got a bad draw. They weren't annoying and now they are and now you're stuck with them, right? But character issues, I, let me, again, let me use myself as an example. Anybody know, anybody know any Persians? These are your best-looking friends. Come on, anybody know any Persians? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's stupid. But in a Persian family, in a Persian family, the mom inadvertently will love the son more than anybody else. And listen, listen, the mom will baby the son until the age of 39. She will do his laundry. She will clean his house, do anything he wants. Hand, and so often, Persian men, I'm just being honest, were babies. And then we get married. And this was an issue in our marriage. Because I would, I would come home and take my clothes off and throw them on the chair, take a shower, leave it on the ground, take my socks off and just throw them in the corner because I didn't have a laundry, a basket. And Pastor Yaz was like, what the heck is all of this? Who do you think I am? Your mom? I thought about it for a second. I'm going to sleep on the couch if I say that. So I can't. But I, maybe? And she's like, you got to change. And I'm being honest. My first thought was, girl, you knew who I was before you married me. Why are you trying to change me? Why can't you love me the way I am? And that's rooted. Selfishness says this. You should love me the way I am. And I'm grateful that God in heaven didn't speak to us that way. He was divine and we were human. 
He was above and we were beneath it. He didn't say, you should change. No, 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 he changed. The one who made dirt became dirt. Divine became human. Why? Because he came to us. And I wrote it down like this. Maybe you should think of it this way. Do you love the other person enough to change who you are? Because when you say no, it's rooted in selfishness. It's rooted in selfishness. A third one. This one's a fun one. Fading enthusiasm. What, what does that mean? You know when you get in a relationship and you're like the butterflies? You know, like you skip between meals, you know, like you're like just dancing, always singing love songs that you never even cared about before. You're just like always about that life now. Like Justin Bieber is like on the radio all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? You're about that. But scientists will tell you the butterflies, they'll last anywhere from six months to 18 months. And around 18 months, they fade. Do you know what the average relationship in Hollywood is? 18 months. Do you know why? Because when the feelings fade, the relationship fades. When the moment's gone, the relationship's gone. And when you do everything in a relationship based on feelings, I just got to let you know right now, it's selfish. Because love is not a feeling. And number two, there's another person, and they have feelings too. And when you decide when the relationship starts or ends based on your feelings, it's selfish. It says this, love is founded on your feelings. That's what selfishness says. And, and again, I'm using myself as an example, so you can laugh at me. Maybe you'll un- say me too in this example. In my, my marriage, we, we, Pastor Yaz and I, we, we have to learn each other's love language. Hers is quality time and words of affirmation. Mine is physical touch and more physical touch. <laughs> Just be real. I'm always trying to cop a feel, always trying to touch Pastor Yaz in a, in a non-sexual way. We'll be driving, I'll hold her hand, and she'll like pull it away. Like, oh my gosh, can you go five minutes without touching me? I'm like, no, it's been four minutes, and I'm always trying to touch her hand. We'll drive and put my hand on her thigh, always trying to give her a hug. Always, always I'm about that life, physical touch. Pastor Yasmin, is, I honestly think she's allergic to me. <laughs> she does not want that at all. But, but I have a secret weapon. I have a secret weapon. There is a song that none of you will know and even like. But when Pastor Yasmin hears this song, listen, she'll be like, you cute. We, we, we don't understand that love is a choice and not a feeling. You can even hear it, because I do weddings, in the way people do vows. The way kids do vows today, it is like demonic. Let me just tell you right now. You get this husband and wife standing next to their, and they're like, they're up on the, anybody do traditional vows at their wedding? Anybody do their own vows? No one's married here, too. It's okay. Okay. A few people. The, uh, traditional. I, I think you should try to do both because it makes it more intimate. But sometimes the vows that we say at marriages aren't vows. They're like weird. It's like, oh my gosh, I was at Voyager and this boy came in and I knew, oh. He was wearing Air Force Ones. Oh, my God. And they were not dirty. I just knew we were going to make beautiful babies. I, that's when I knew that we would be here. I'm like, what the heck is that? That's not a vow. That's just a declaration of what you felt on the moment you saw the dude. Let me tell you what biblical vows are. Honey, I promise not to divorce you. When we're at the drive through at Chick-fil-A and I ask you, do you want anything? And you lie like Satan saying, no, I'm full. 
Then after we get the French fries and we're driving home, like, can I have some? A few? By the time we get home, it's gone. On that day, I promise not to leave you. Even though I have every right and biblical grounds to leave you, I promise not to. That's a vow. That's not based on a feeling. Amen? Fourth reason why we end relationships, addiction or infidelity. This one's hard because I, I can't really relate because I, I, I was addicted to porn, I was addicted to alcohol, and I did have a substance abuse problem. But, and I would encourage every single person in this room, get healed before you get in a relationship. Don't bring your luggage. Don't bring your baggage because it's just going to weigh down the relationship. I, I, I got healed of those things, but I need an example. So again, I'm going to shame myself. Maybe I wasn't addicted to like those things. And thank God I've never cheated on Pastor Yaz. But I was addicted to a video game. The first year, maybe two of our marriage. Anybody know the game Clash of Clans? Okay, all the guys, all the women are like, what is that? So I would play this game all the time. Like driving on a date. Like at church sometimes. And Pastor Dad was like, dude, you are addicted. I'm like, no, I'm not hurting anyone. Leave me alone. Get off my back, girl. Come on. And selfishness says this. Selfishness, my pleasure comes before other people's pain. See, this is how I know you don't have an addiction problem when you aren't actively seeking healing. When you have an addiction and you aren't seeking help, your problem is not your addiction. Your problem is selfishness. Because your pleasure is greater than the pain that you cause. Number five, finances. Let me just go straight to the selfishness. It's, selfishness says this, it's my money. It's your debt, and it's my money. I, I didn't go to college, you did. I didn't buy the Mercedes, you did. It's my money and your debt. And the only way you solve this, listen, is you change from yours and mine to us and ours. In a marriage, two become one. So you shouldn't have two bank accounts. You should have one. Yeah, no one said amen. That's okay. Someone hurts you, I pray for you. But you need to one account. Because the moment you get married, it's our debt. And it's our money. And selfishness wants to separate. Let's break down the relationship. Number five. The fifth one. No, sixth one. I'm sorry. This is the last one. Communication. And often when we think communication, we talk about the way we speak, what we say, how we say it. I'm not even talking about that. See, communication is two ways. It's not just what you say. It's what you listen to. And so too often in our marriages and relationships between our parents and friends, the other person's talking, but we're not even listening. Because we're building an army of arguments of what we're going to say next. And we're not even giving them the time and attention. And so often selfishness says this. It's about my perspective, my voice, my way. And it breaks down the relationship. And it's rooted in selfishness. Now I want to do something to help everyone in the room. Because, again, I shame myself. So this will help some of you. On the count of three, I want you to say after me, sometimes I'm selfish. It's going to help you. On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Sometimes I'm selfish. Ooh, chains are being broken right now. <laughs> selfish people are being set free. Now we're going to go one step further. You're going to think of your spouse if, you get, if you're married. You're not going to look at them. 
You're not going to even say this to them. Or maybe you're going to think about a brother or a sibling or a cousin or a family member, and you're going to say out loud, sometimes you're selfish on the count of three. Ready? Don't turn and say this, okay? I don't want to do marriage counseling this week. This is about you. So we're going to say, you, sometimes you're selfish. Ready? One, two, three. Sometimes you're selfish. You guys said that with a little bit more sass about them than yourself. That's okay. Now listen, listen, listen. listen. None of that matters because it's not about them. It's about you. You can't change them. You can't motivate them. You can't influence them. But you, what you can do is you can change you. You can motivate you. And God can let God deal with them. Let's deal with you today. So what's the antidote to our selfishness? It's in the scriptures. Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility. Someone say humility. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Point number one, if you're writing this down, you want to write, this is, going to, this is the antidote. I humble myself. I, not the other person, I humble myself. And this, this word is misunderstood, it's misconstrued, and it's not talked about enough in church. Humility, and specifically biblical humility. And in this verse, he's, Jesus is going to model for us what biblical humility looks like. Philippians 2, verse, starting at verse 5, in your relationships with one another. We couldn't be any clearer. We could not be any clearer where we need this. We need humility in our relationships. But what does that look like, Pastor Ali? He gives us the answers. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do what he does. Think the way that he thinks. How does he treat people? How did he use his authority? Do that. Having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who? Who is Jesus? Being the very nature of God. If you don't know who God is, look to Jesus. Because Jesus is God. Who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Which means he was the upper and we were the lower. He was the king and we were the pauper. He was the exalted one and we were the sinful one. And God did not use his authority to demand obedience from us. I wrote down like this. He came down to our level. Not to get what he wanted, but to give the love that we needed. That's what humility looks like. Humility gives. Humility comes down. Humility serves the other person. Humility has all the power, all the authority, but says, I'm not going to use it to my advantage. I'm going to get low. The great theologian, Little John, says, get low, get low. Some of you need to get low. I wrote down like this. Love comes down through humility. Let me give you an example of this. Pastor Yas, can you come here? I told you about this, so now we can do it. So imagine... No, no, you can sit right here. Sit right here. Imagine I want to get with this person who doesn't like to hold my hand, right? i got to squeeze it in as, as much as I can. Imagine I want to get in a relationship with her. What do I got to do to get on her level? Just out loud, so, say what I got to do. Get low. get low. Okay, that's good. That's one way we do that. Some of you, though, you're a little ratchet, you're a little hyphy. You're like, why can't she come to my level? Why do I got to come down? Why can't she come up? And you push back. Why do I got to be the one that changed? Let me just tell you, that's rooted in selfishness. I'm trying to hold your hand as long as I can. 
You can sit down, babe. I wrote down like this. Do you want to have your way or do you want to find a way? Sometimes we don't because we're selfish. Because we don't want to move. We want the other person. You come to my level. I'm so thankful that God didn't say, Get sh- clean up your act before you come to me. That God came to us and he is the shower. Amen? Uh, my daughters, they, they go through phases of what they eat for breakfast. Uh, there was a, the waffle phase. There was the, the oatmeal phase. There's the cereal phase. And there was a season where they, all they had was these pancakes that were froze, like they looked like Mickey Mouse pancakes. You know what I'm talking about? It was the easiest breakfast. You just put it in the microwave for 20 seconds, boom. Pour some syrup, done. I loved it. But there were days where you had an odd number of pancakes and World War III would happen. And there'd be one pancake, and the girls would see the pancake. Dad, I want the last one. And the little one, the Zoe's like, no, mine, mine. And they, there was this war. They would go back and forth, and they'd look to me to solve the problem. And I, sometimes I didn't know what to do. Sometimes I'd try to cut it in half, and they would get angry. Now I can't eat it, throw themselves on the ground. Pastor Yaz, I remember one time she came to the room. She's like, let me tell you what Jesus would do. Jesus would let his sister eat the other pancake. And they're listening to Pastor Yaz, and they're like three, they're not getting it. And Zoe looks at each other. She literally grabs the pancake, puts it in her mouth. You be Jesus. You be Jesus. That's what you and I do in our relationships. You want the other person to change. You be Jesus. Put their mouth full. And you want the other person to serve you, love you, and be Jesus. And you don't want to be Jesus. And you... And you're stubborn. It's because you're selfish. And humility says, I want what you want. I want to find a way. And sometimes in in our relationships, I don't want to go to your parents' house for Thanksgiving. I'm tired of going to Chipotle after church. I don't like coffee at that. I don't want to go there anymore. And we fight and we kick and we scream because we don't want to find a way anymore. We want our way. And so often the conflict, the tension that we have has nothing to do with the coffee, the family, or the movie. It's with our selfishness. It's because what we want. And sometimes our argument is like this. But I'm, and fill in the blank. But I'm right. When was the last time you were wrong? That's my question. Sounds like you're always right, and she should listen, or he should listen to you, and you're always right. But Pastor Ali, but I'm the man. And you want to use verses like a weapon towards obedience. I'm so thankful that the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 that it was his goodness and kindness that led me to repentance. It was not his title, but I'm God. Isn't it funny the way we sound when we put God in saying our word? But I'm God. Listen, but I'm the one with the degree. But I'm the organized one. I'm the one that's always on time. I'm the one that knows how to handle money. What do you say to your partner to get the upper hand? What do you say to push them down so they, they'll be looking up at you? And really, that's where you know you're, on, you're not on the same level is because now you're looking down on them. You're the one that gets drunk. You're the one that can't do this. You're the one that, but I'm the good one. Do you, 
Do you think you're better because you work out and they do donuts? Do you, do you think you're better because you show up on time and they're always 10 minutes late? Do you think you're better because you can do addition and subtraction and they need a calculator? What do you say to get the upper hand? Because often when you think about who Jesus is in your life and what he's done for you, when you think about where you would be if it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't think you're better. You'd think you were saved. You would think you were saved. My cousin, my dad, has three brothers. And uh, when I graduated high school, my, unfortunately, they didn't talk for like 10, 15 years. I went and flew to Atlanta and saw a bunch of them. All these cousins I hadn't seen in like 10 years. And they're like, you go to go see your cousin in L.A. I'm like, why? He's like, he's like 10 or 15 years older than you, but he's got the biggest, most popular club in L.A. And in my mind, I'm like, it must be like a hole in the wall, like, Maybe Rosie McCann's. No, this was like, I'm not even lying, literally the spot for celebrities. And I show up to this club, and this is like 2002, before I'm a Christian, so don't judge me, okay? It's a place where you belong before you believe, come on. And the club was called The Mist. And uh, this was like back in the day where like a booth cost like two grand, like bottle service. Like this was one of the first clubs in L.A. to do it. I, I go into this thing not even knowing. I'm not a Christian. Literally, the first time I walk into this place, I go up. I go, excuse me, my cousin, Reza, he's the, he's the owner. Can I get in line, loser? And I text my cousin. I'm like, bro, I'm here. Can you please let me in? He comes out, and he goes, he's with me. And I walk in, and I'm not lying. Jamie Foxx, I, I, I literally walk by the guy. Adam Levine, I don't, I don't, I, when you get starstruck, you like forget, I tap him on the I'm like, you're that, you're that guy. You're, and I, I, his name couldn't come out of my mouth and his girlfriend, his supermodel girlfriend, she's laughing that I don't know his name. He's like, yeah, I'm that guy. And he walks away. And as soon as he walks away, I'm like, Adam Levine. Rick, G, Rick Fox was there. This is like when he was on the Lakers, Ali Landry. And then my favorite of all is Leonardo DiCaprio. Let me tell you, ladies, he's better in look in person than he is on screen, okay? May, I might have been fanboying a little bit, but he had three huge bodyguards, as, literally as big as doors, surrounding him. And you could not get near him. And there was a point at the end of the night where he wanted to go home, and these guys were like, imagine a crowded club. They're like literally muscling their way through this crowd. And I had to touch him. <laughs> I, it's my love language. Come on. I've been making people uncomfortable for 20 years. And he walks by, and I'm not, I'm not, I just touch his shoulder, and I turn around. And he turns around and wanted to know who touched him. I made Leo turn around. Come on. It's my claim to fame. I go home on a high. I, come, I tell all my friends, you will not believe what happened? And I bring like four of them. Like three months later, I'm like, you got, we go show up to the club. And I'm like, remember me from three months ago? I'm his cousin. Reza wasn't there that night. <laughs> I had to text for like an hour to get in. And it made me realize I didn't get in because of who I was. I got in because of who I knew. And sometimes when you're selfish, you think you're in church because of who you are. You're here because of who you know. Because he came for you, not when you were good, not when your life was together, when you were up in the club 
with a lampshade on your head, dancing. And he loved that version of you. He loved the version that was an alcoholic. He loved the version that had anger problems. He loved the version that would steal and lie from your employer and no one knows but God. And he loves that version. And you have forgotten who you would be if it wasn't for the grace of God. And sometimes, I'm telling you, the reason we have issues in our relationships is because we put ourselves up and we don't come low. And you need to remember what God did to get you in this room. You're not better than your spouse because you read your Bible and they don't. You're not better than your spouse because you come to church and they don't. You're better because Jesus loved you and they need them too. Amen? This is why I tell all the single people, don't don't marry someone because they look hot. Because listen, hell is hot too. (laughs) This is true. Because the feelings will fade. And that's where so many people get stuck in their relationship. They don't have the butterflies anymore. You know, what, what do I do, Pastor Ali, to get that? Remember that song from Top Gun, that loving feeling? Oh, that, I've lost that love. What do you do when you've lost that loving feeling? But solution number one was to, to get low, get low. Humility. The scriptures tell us. You got to write this point down. The moment you think you're better you will treat them worse. The moment you think you're better, you will treat them worse. But then the the solution, Pastor Ali, what is the solution that I see them on my level, that I get that loving feeling back? It's Philippians 2, verse 2 and 3 and verse 6 and 7. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves taking the very nature of a servant. Someone say servant. Serving does something to your heart. Serving changes you. It's not about the other person. Serving, I wrote down like this, humility adds value through serving. This is uh, Pablo. Uh, He loves Taco Bell. And uh, he's going to be our example today. And I want to explain to you, he's an iPhone user, he's not an Android user. Um, And uh, in our first year of our marriage, um, Pastor Yaz, we were like total foodies. We'd go to San Francisco, we'd go to Monterey, anywhere we'd we'd go to places for the food. Literally, we went to New York and I said, what are the, like, the spots you want to see? The list was seven spots. And we were only there for seven days. I'm like, okay, where do you want to eat? The list was 30 places. This girl wanted to eat. And it was good. We're, that's just our relationship. I remember when she was pregnant, she would get these cravings for pizza from this one spot. And I'm not, I would sit in the car for an hour and a half because she had to have cheese pizza from this spot. So imagine, I would work a 10-hour day because I'm from Silicon Valley, then sit in traffic for an hour and a half to get this girl two slices of cheese pizza. Now, I'm just being honest. She's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, DoorDash girl, leave me alone. What changes? Why do we go from that to this? Why do we go from I'll do anything for you 
till we stop doing even the small. You're hungry. Can you get yourself in the fridge? You have two legs. You can go get yourself. What, what shifts? And again, I'm going to use myself as an example. Something in our marriage happened. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was the kids being home. Maybe it was the, the pressure of having to be online in front of a camera and your faith being on. And you have to be full of faith, full of joy, full of hope every single week. And even though you're going through hell like everybody else, you, you, you can't. That pressure built up. I don't know what it was around year seven or year eight in our marriage. There was just conflict between Pastor Yaz and I. Again, I'm telling you this because I'm hoping that you find the humility to say, where do I need to change? And we would literally fight every day. And it got to the point where I remember Pastor Yaz, she came to me, she's like, I think it's best I move out and live with my parents. And I said, I'll help you pack. And I knew the moment I said, I didn't mean it, but her face was like crushed because she wanted me to fight. But I was so hurt and offended, I didn't want to fight. Move out, I'll help you pack. And I remember hearing her in another room explain Again, we didn't file for divorce. She never moved out. But I, I use that example because that was the closest we ever got to calling it quits. And it was scary for me because I heard her in another room explaining to our girls why they had to, like, you know, get ready to go live, sleep with grandma. I got a vision of what life would look like without Pastor Yass. And I want to use this example and this is not real money, by the way. This is fake real money. But when you are in a relationship and you get your way, you go to the place that you want to, you watch the movie that you want, and, and you, you get your way. It's like taking money from an account. It's my money. But when I serve in humility, it's like putting money into the account. Now, most of you have retirement accounts. You don't become a millionaire by putting in $100 and then setting it and forgetting it. The way you become a millionaire with your retirement is consistent, reoccurring giving. Why is it that we know how to build wealth, but we don't know how to build love? But so often when I hear, well, I just don't love him anymore. I don't have that feeling anymore. What that means is the other person has been taking and taking, and taking, and there's nothing left to take, and you're empty. And the reason you don't feel love, because you're empty. So what do you do when the other person's account is empty? And that's where Pastor Yaz and I were with each other. Remember, I called my board. I said, this is where we're at. What do you recommend? And they said, do you love your wife? I said, I, I know it's a choice, but I just don't feel it. I remember my, I have two, two pastors on my board. He's the pastor, at, executive pastor at Westgate. His name is Dan Perkins. He's like, you just got to serve your wife. So what about me? I, I got needs too. He says, just serve her. Just take stuff off her plate. Just keep adding to the account. And sometime in COVID, I'd get up normally at 6 to work out, and instead I would get up to do the laundry. 
And I, I didn't do this for a day, by the way. I did this for nine. I'm still going. I'd get up and do all the dishes. Make the kids breakfast. Make them lunch. Change them. So before even Pastor Yaz woke up, everything was taken care of. There were times I would go grocery shopping. I got it, girl. I'll take care of it. And again, I'm not saying this like, ooh, super dad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this because I needed to add value to the marriage. Because I saw this person as not worth fighting for. And what happened, the same way that when you invest in your retirement account and it begins to grow, I began to invest in my marriage. Because you can't serve someone and not love them. And I began to serve, and I began to serve. And what used to bother me about vacuuming and cleaning the toilets, I, I started loving it. And that feeling that I had lost started coming back. And I remember she, she noticed it. She's like, I, I don't know why you're doing everything. But she was thankful. And the, the biggest fear that most people have is Pastor Ali, what if I give? And I give. And then I give. And then I, I got nothing left. And they just take and take and take and take. What about me, Pastor Ali? Won't I be taken advantage of? That's not fair, Pastor Ali. And everyone in this room will have to listen to either God or Satan. Because Satan will come to you and say, don't serve her. She'll just take advantage of you. She'll never serve you the way that you do her. And you have to take the promises of God for your life. Because I can't obey them for you. And you have to believe the same way that God spoke to me, he'll speak to her. And regardless, even if I feel taken advantage of, I'm going to serve. And look what it says. Point number three. Point number two is this. It's not just I must humble myself. I must die to myself. And we forget this as Christians. You are called to die to your flesh. And I want to read you probably the most hated verse in the New Testament. Especially in our culture. We don't like it. So don't get angry at me. I'm just the mailman. I'm trying to help your marriage. Philippians 2 says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And there are things in your marriage, in your relationships, that you need to die to, that you need to do even when you don't feel like it. Where does that power come from? Where is that hope? What if I just give and give and give? What is the biblical thing that God wants in our marriage? This is why I tell single people, don't be marrying a non-believer. Because there are expectations on you that you're not going to, it's abuse. Because you're going to die for that person, that person's not going to die for you. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves. Again, don't get, I didn't write this. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit 
to their husbands in everything. In everything. Now, this doesn't literally mean everything. If your husband tells you to lie, don't be breaking God's law to obey your husband. God comes before him. And I love the way that God created Eve. He did not create Eve from Adam's feet because man is not above woman. He didn't create Eve from Adam's head because he is not underneath her. He created her from his side, his ribs, because they're equal, but they're different. They're equal, but they're different. And so often we think of like submission as a weakness. What if I submit to my husband? What if I, what if I give and give and give and give and he doesn't serve me back, Pastor Ali? Well, don't worry. There's a verse for him that's just as hard that makes him just as angry. Ephesians 5, verse 25. It's not on the screen, but I'll read it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands are called to die for their wife the way that Christ died for the church. So let me show you what a biblical marriage will look like. The husband, because I gotta gotta make a choice, not what's best for me and what I want, I gotta make a choice of what's best for us. So I'm gonna serve you. And the hope is, as, as the husband is dying to himself and serving her, she goes, oh my gosh, you actually love me. I'm growing in trust, so I'm gonna start serving you. And she's taking the money that he deposited and she's giving it back. And he's like, oh my God, you're trusting me, girl. So I'm gonna start dying even more. And he's giving it back. And there's this, it's not female submission, it's Ephesians 5.21. Mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Someone say for Christ. And it's this idea that when I'm given and I'm given and I'm given, not a day, not a week, not even a month, but I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm pouring into this account. And what happens, Pastor Ali, if I give and I got nothing left and I'm empty? Well, you got to get to a point where you're not doing it to get anything back. This is not like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. This is not karma. This is Christianity. Regardless of what you do, I'm, this ain't even for you, girl. So this is a husband's. We take out the trash, and she doesn't think, just whisper under your breath, this ain't even for you. When you're vacuuming, and she, and she doesn't, this ain't even for you, girl. When you're wiping dirty butts, and you're about to gag, this ain't even for you, girl. Why? Because when you're empty, and you're pouring out the scriptures, promise God shows up. It's not, my faith is not in her. My faith is in him. Because it says for reverence for Christ. And even when I'm empty, when I think about Jesus dying for me on a cross, when I think about the way he loves me, when I think about how he died for me, when I think about how his mercy is for me, when I think about all these things that God has done for me, It has nothing to do with her response. I remember who I was. I'm not better. I'm saved. The one that was above came low and served me. The one that had all the power and authority that could have told me to get my life cleaned up 
and I'm now in the house of God, not because of who I am, but because of who I know. And I serve my wife out of reverence for him. If you guys can stand, I want to pray for some people in this room. There are three people that I feel very led to pray for. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. The first is going to be very blunt, the selfish person. Your marriage is breaking down because you're selfish. And the marriage changes when you change. The marriage becomes different when you become different. The marriage gets better when you become better. So instead of focusing on what they need to do, what did God speak to you tonight? Maybe it's long hours. Maybe it's character issues. Maybe it's fading enthusiasm. Maybe it's the way you handle finances. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's communication. There is some breakdown that's rooted in selfishness. God, I pray that they would see the humility of Christ leaving heaven and serving and serving a people that didn't deserve to be served. And I pray, God, that that would give them the encouragement, the faith, and the hope to say, God, I'm sometimes selfish too. God, help me come out of this. I want to pray for the, the second person, that you're in a marriage or relationship and you're giving and you're serving and you're loving and it feels like your tank is empty because you're giving everything you have. I want to pray that God would fill you with hope, with encouragement, that he sees your sacrifice, that sometimes we are called to give sacrificially, not just in humility, but to the point of death. And it feels like dying, but that's when Christ comes alive in us. God, I pray for every person in this room that is giving, serving, and loving on empty in their marriage. They give and they don't get anything returned. They serve and they don't get served back. They love and they're not loved back. And they're empty, God. God, would you fill their tank Holy Spirit, you raised Christ from the dead. Would you resurrect their dead feelings, their dead hope, their dead depression, their things that they they don't have control over anymore, God. There's hopelessness, God, in this room that I want to speak against. There is always hope in Christ. If he can raise his dead son, he can raise your dead marriage. If he can separate the waters, he can bring your husband back. I pray for those, God, that have lost hope, that are serving on empty. Would you fill them? third person in this room that I feel so led to pray for that you didn't know that God left heaven to become a man so that he could die for you on a cross that Christianity is less about a religion of things you do and it's more about someone you know and his name is Jesus and he wants a relationship And he loves you enough to leave heaven to die for you. And he wants to walk with you. He wants to talk to you. Christianity is less about doing things and more about believing. The work of a Christian is to believe in Jesus, that he died on a cross for your sin. And if that's you tonight and you want to repent of your sin, 
if you want to turn from your ways and come to Jesus, I want you to just raise your hand on the count of three because I want to pray with you. Every eye closed and every head bowed. If that's you tonight and you want to start a relationship with the living God, one, you're not saying yes to me, you're saying yes to him. Two, every eye closed, every head bowed. Three, just put your hand up, just put your hand up. Just put your hand up. Amen, amen. I see your hand. I see your hands. You can put them down. Just pray this prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me, that you see everything I've ever done, and you still love me. Thank you that you left heaven to come and die for me. I repent of my sin. I confess it to you, God. I turn and I come home to you. I receive your free gift of salvation. I believe. Thank you, God, for loving me, dying for me, and giving me a second chance. Can we shout and clap for the hands that went up? Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.